All right, you ready? You ready for this fancy new intro? I thought of. My God, is this a cold open too? <laughs> no, we'll cut. This. <laughs> Unless you want to leave it in, who's to say? Hey, listen. Uh, sure. All right, you ready? <clears throat> the following edition of the Second Term Buckle Podcast is scheduled for one fall with a sixty-minute time limit. <laughs> one fall. <laughs> Will we hit that 60-minute time limit? Who knows? But welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Second Turnbuckle Podcast. My name is Toogie. My name is Crash, and my money's on... Nope. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think we've accomplished it yet, but we'll try. We will try. But yeah, hello, everybody. We're back again. It's been another week in the wrestling world, and today we are going to talk about it. All the happenings in the WWE and AEW side of things. We're going to hit up the old uh, viewer listener mailbag because we don't have a YouTube channel yet. Maybe. Hint. Who's to say? That's I, up to I'm just saying we, we, we have the channel. We just don't have any content up there yet because we did. Perfect. We were going to do your uh, your live on stream, which actually mm-hmm. was three hours. Or no, like was that, it? Yeah. It was two or it three. <laughs> the night of uh, the night of all out. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, I tried posting that, and and YouTube said nope, big nope. Oh, because of the limit. Okay. Yeah. So there will be there'll be many videos on there now because I'm gonna have to cut that thing into many videos. But uh, yeah, keep stay tuned. We'll upload in clip form, and if we end up being a little bit short for content, we might finally get around to that all out, or excuse me, the original all in review spoiler alert we won't and we'll have to come up with an idea (laughs) of uh of another show because that is quickly losing its relevancy of hey remember this show four years ago because crazy stuff keeps happening crash all in in is going to be our matt damon (laughs) (laughs) where would you like to start off this week we got a couple of options we could go the mailbag route the wwe route the aew route what are you feeling here to kind of kick off this show i like the mailbag i saw some of the questions they were they were uh they were okay i guess come on guys you gotta step it up (laughs) yeah pooped on (laughs) (laughs) we'll start off then we got uh we got three questions for this one why not kick it off with aj's question here of your top five undertaker wrestlemania matches am i going first are you going first yeah because i mean we might we might have some crossover here right like there's a decent little chance i don't know if i i don't know if i'll get to five honestly um well okay so like automatically you can rule out the first six (laughs) the giant gonzalez (laughs) i was gonna say so for those who don't know the first six are uh the murderer uh, Jake Roberts, Giant Gonzalez, King Kong Bundy, Diesel, Psycho Sid. Like the the latter two of Diesel and Sid weren't that bad. Uh, Sorry, I actually you, do. I do like that. Hmm? Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was gonna say I do like that Diesel Taker match from uh, WrestleMania 12, but yeah. obviously everything else on that card is like totally overshadowed by the Iron Man match. Sorry, you you always throw out references that I just don't get. The murderer? Oh. Uh, uh, Jimmy Snuka. Okay, move on. Um, yep. <laughs> you know what? There, there, there was a really awesome era there where 
probably rivaled around 98, 99, 2000, where it was like, okay, take this guy out and put mm-hmm. this guy in and then take this guy out and put this guy in. And then those two guys you took out, put them together. You had Shawn Michaels, you had Bret Hart, you had the undertaker and you had diesel who mm. spoiler alert would turn out to be Kevin Nash. Um, <laughs> but, uh, <gasps> what? Yeah. Yeah. He, he, he was also, it. he was also super shredder in teenage mutant Ninja turtles too. <laughs> Um, what do you mean Oz is Kevin Nash? <laughs> Vinny <laughs> Vegas? What? <laughs> but uh, there was this era with those four. And yeah, I'll I'll throw uh, Taker Diesel, any Taker Diesel match, but I know we're focusing on, on WrestleMania, so but I'll take any uh, Taker Diesel match. Uh, so, Taker. Yeah, go ahead. Question then, because yes. I ruled out like the first six matches of the streak. Okay. Are you going to include any of the five matches post streak? That would be yes. Ray Wyatt at WrestleMania play button. WrestleMania 31. <laughs> I like it. There's the hell in a cell against Shane McMahon at WrestleMania 32. Uh, possibly the main possibly. event of WrestleMania fun. 33 in Orlando against Roman Reigns. No, no. The very, very brief segment, more so than a match against John Cena at 34. Believe it or not, that is actually in my top five only because of like he lost the streak. Uh, he came back, beat Bray Wyatt, then had to lose to Roman Reigns again. And then you've got the the matchup that I think a lot of people were looking forward to at WrestleMania. Uh, potentially, well, no, at that point, maybe even John Cena wasn't the right guy to break the streak. Maybe earlier in his career he might have been the right guy to break the streak a lot earlier but uh it was just kind of that redemption song for the undertaker it was Hmm. it was i would put it up there with um hogan michael SummerSlam. it was kind of like that like they it was kind of the love letter yeah it was kind of the love letter to the undertaker as like you beat john cena at wrestlemania um, the match, <laughs> yeah, the, it wasn't Summer, a good match. <laughs> Summer yeah. slams the love letter to Hogan as Shawn Michaels is flopping around the ring, trying to make him look like as big of a dick as possible. <laughs> <laughs> it's very fitting. I, I don't see a problem here, <laughs> but uh, no, but this one, it was like, you know what? Like he's uh, he's one for three in his last three, coming off uh, one of the most impressive uh, athletic achievements even though you know it's predetermined um but at the end of the day it really just felt good to watch the undertaker win again so i i actually would put cena taker in my top five and then the last match aj styles boneyard match for wrestlemania uh, covid protocol this isn't <laughs> sounds like a like a <laughs> Metal Gear like a Solid. Resident Evil movie? Yeah, Metal Gear Solid COVID Protocol. Um, <laughs> That's this actually should be in my top five, but this may not surprise you. Haven't seen it. Fair. I uh, <laughs> I did. It was uh, prior to Cody Rhodes' return this year, it was the last time I had watched any match from a Mania. Like WrestleMania 2021, I skipped entirely. I had no desire to watch anything. Oh. 
Boneyard match would actually piss me off because that would be a perfect setting for Taker and Sting. I knew that's where they were in their careers. Even after, as you called it, WrestleMania play button, which is one of my favorite matches except the finish, um, seeing Triple H and Sting go at it. But they missed that opportunity to uh, to finally give us Taker Sting. But Mm. even in even in the cinematic uh, version of matches, I think sting taker would have been just amazing to see that would have been the way to do it a hundred percent like in terms yeah, especially of where they were in their career when they had the opportunity to do it that that should have been the way they did it yeah um if it wasn't going to be at wrestlemania 27 which it almost was uh, and ended up being triple h instead then yeah that would have been our best chance was a, a cinematic match for that era um i will say i don't think i have the boneyard match or the cena match in my top five um, we, we, we kind can of we can basically say like this is top three because both Shawn Michaels matches are in. Yes, yeah. So it's top three. Fuck, it's tough though to limit it down to five, like to the point where I might even want to rule out. Okay, so here 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 are the ones that I'm debating. Okay, Kane at WrestleMania 14, okay. the first Kane match. Um, awesome, awesome match for for two big men. Um, the Triple H match at WrestleMania 17, where Triple H lands on the big cushion. Yeah, that wasn't bad, but it wasn't what it ended it's up being. The, it's in the conversation. Almost a decade later. Right. Um, Flair at WrestleMania 18 was, was good for what it was. I mean, Arn Anderson spine bustered the hell out of Undertaker in 2002 at a mania. That was pretty fun. Um... There's the Kane match at WrestleMania 20, which, to be honest, for a match was just what it was. But it was more about, holy shit, Taker's the the dead man again. Here's Paul Bearer. It was more of a moment than a match. 100% on my list, I'm not sure where, is Randy Orton at WrestleMania 21. That really kind of kick-started their near-year-long feud. Uh, Absolutely love that match. Batista at WrestleMania 23. That's a damn good match. Edge at 24. Then you get into the... Yeah, the Edge match, man. Then you get into the two Shawn Michaels matches, the two Triple H matches, and then uh, he who shall not be named in AEW at WrestleMania 29, (laughs) the last match before the streak ended. So there's there's two in there. As much Uh as... uh, Here's here's a little behind the curtain, kids. I messaged Toogie. I I didn't want to mention... CM Punk in this stream at all. Like, I'm done with them. Uh, just reading every day, there's a little bit more that comes out. Um, so, uh, but I don't want to use the term he sh- who shall not be named because <laughs> that, that, that belongs to one man. <laughs> and one man only. Redacted. Um, but there, there's a perfect example of two guys. You, you can argue Brock coming back made a good storyline for the streak to be broken. But Mm. you've got Edge, and you've got that other guy. Those are two prime examples, two prime opportunities to just toss these guys into just stratospheric superstardom. They ended up kind of doing it on their own, but what a great opportunity that would have been for Edge at that time. And if you watched some of the documentaries, um... He was actually supposed to be the guy, and at the right before they walked out, Vince said, "Nope, nope, this isn't it." So he ended up taking the loss there. 
But even mm. that heat, um, Paul Heyman, who's an absolute genius at everything he does, and that other guy, uh, worked. They sold that match, because if I remember correctly, too, we didn't see The Undertaker until WrestleMania. They had the urn. He basically sold that match heading yeah. into WrestleMania. Like, I think you're right. But, but the opposite of what John Cena did heading into their match, because John Cena was the, you know, this is what everybody wants to see, you're a coward, blah, 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 versus like some of the hardest stuff we've seen in the last 20 years in WWE. So... Mm. Those two matches, yeah, I would I would actually consider those as top matches as well. And the one with the other guy should have been for the belt, and it should have been main event. Okay, I think I have my five. It's very yeah. tough. Yeah. Orton at 21. Okay. Michaels at 26 rather okay. than 25, because I'm only going to put one of them on my list. And I'd go for Sean at 26. For the sole purpose of the last tombstone where Taker jumps into the air as he does it. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, the Triple H Hell in a Cell, because that is like the personification of what a WWE main event style overly dramatic like match is. With Shawn Michaels, it's the referee as well, which right. added that that like, okay, he couldn't beat him, so right. now this is uh but how they played together with the whole DX dynamic and everything. There were so many false finishes that were just absolutely amazing in mm -hmm. that match as well. So Orton at 21, Michaels at WrestleMania 26, Triple H at 28 in the Hell in a Cell, Batista at WrestleMania 23, and Edge at 24. I'm going to leave that punk match off of there for the sole purpose of despite it being a great match, you know how sour... Punk still is about the fact that it wasn't the main event. And that takes a little, little bit away from uh, from it. And recent events probably affect that as well. But if you had to ask me what five matches right now would I go and watch, it would be those five. You're not, uh, we're not talking about the Seattle match either. His tag team <laughs> match where he actually didn't have a tag team partner. He was supposed <laughs> to have a tag team partner going into it. And it was Prince Albert and, and Test, I believe. No, Big Show. Was a big show? Okay, yeah. It was big and show was, A Train. Yeah, and then it was um who was his uh oh Oh, I'm gonna wait because I know his name. I'm not gonna tell you. Unless you want me to. I know <laughs> I his had name. It and then I lost it. Australian. Yeah. Isn't it Matt something? No. The Colossus of what was it, Bago Road or some shit like that? <laughs> Which There's my mom always said the Colossus of Bago Road because I was nine and my mom's like, all right, what's on that wrestling that you're watching, even though she grew up a, a fan? Nathan, Nathan Jones. Nathan Jones. You know Nathan who Jones. I... And I don't know the other guy's name, so this is going to be an interesting part of the segment. Uh, I always got him uh, mixed up with the guy who ended up going to Impact and had a stutter. Matt Morgan. Matt Morgan, that's it. Yeah, because <laughs> they came, they were kind of the big, muscly guys. Yeah. Yeah, around... Early, later on that year, and again, I love this because, again, I've been looking for an excuse to be like, look at what a fucking nerd I am. <laughs> later on that year, by the time you get to Survivor Series, both Nathan Jones and Matt Morgan are on the same Survivor Series team alongside Brock Lesnar and the opening oh. match. And I can literally name who the opening match was because it was Team Lesnar with Lesnar, A-Train, Big Show, Matt Morgan, and Nathan Jones. 
the best and- five-man Survivor Series team ever <laughs> who lost to Kurt Angle, Bradshaw, Chris Benoit, uh, Hardcore Holly, and John Cena. And you're using everybody's name that we're trying to establish the guys who should not be mentioned. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I will say, any chance I have to, cement, uh, to mention Survivor Series 03, I'll do it because I, as a kid, watched that pay-per-view to death. Gotcha. God. Beautiful. So I'm going to go Edge. Okay. I will... I and I you didn't quite say it this way, but I think you would lump the two Shawn Michaels into one to get into a top five so that it's yes. I mean yeah. legitimately, yeah, if you're talking about the best matches, both of those two are in there. Okay, so yeah, I will go edge, I will go Shawn Michaels, uh one and two, I'll go triple H two. Uh I've already established John Cena, and I, I would go with that other guy. Uh just because of the build up and everything, like uh he was a consummate heel and to have Paul Heyman right beside him mm. just that uh, again I I can be absolutely impressed you don't need to sell a match with the Undertaker you can just say I'm taking on the Undertaker the Undertaker never has to show up so yeah, I, think, I think Triple H literally did that one year <laughs> well and then uh, or like <laughs> it was Triple H too where he walked out and they didn't say anything and they both looked at the WrestleMania sign and it was one of the coolest moments <laughs> yeah. in professional wrestling because neither, neither one did anything, but they did absolutely everything they needed to, to just hype up that match in that moment. So yeah, that's going to be my five. AJ, thank you for taking up 17 minutes of a, of an hour show. I could absolutely do an entire show of mailbag. Like, Oh, for sure. I want to see is uh, that's the goal for me for this podcast is, we, we actually have to cut questions for time. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, from Racing Jays, theoretically, we'll get an AW question in there. Theoretically, how would a Kenny Omega and Young Bucks departure hurt the AW video game? Well, obviously, right now, you're presumably thinking that. Uh, look, bottom line is in the past week, we haven't had too much aside from what was mentioned on Dynamite, which we'll get to. We haven't had too much more clarity in the situation because it has become very obvious uh, that there are legal ramifications to the situation that happened with the news coming out that uh, AEW's, I think, chief legal officer was like in the room when the confrontation happened. Like they're they are making sure to the letter that this situation's handled and that, you know, AEW as a company is protected if there were to be a lawsuit filed. Yeah, so the the main things that I noticed that came out this week, one is there's going to be a third-party investigation, and pretty much everybody involved is suspended indefinitely until the results of that come out. Mm -hmm. Having said that, uh, Kenny Omega is actually in Japan to promote this game. The video game, yes. Yeah, Yeah, I believe Uh, Hikaru Shida is going there too because she was announced for a match on dynamite, but was a part of an injury angle on dark to get her out of that. Just really quickly. Um, do you watch dark? Occasionally. Yeah, um, I, I, it is obvious. Like if there's an act that I really want to see, then yes, I will watch it. Um, obviously like when dark first came out, like the second ever episode of dark, they had a freaking like essentially an extreme rules match between Kenny Omega and Joey Janela that I got to see uh, because it was taped in Boston. 
There you go. If you're playing bingo, add that to the list. <laughs> um, so it's like when Dark first started, like, yeah, they really were at that point of like, okay, let's make this a big fucking show. Um, now, spoiler alert, we record on Tuesday. So the episode of Dark that was posted on YouTube yesterday, um, it's like, oh, there's a Matt Hardy match. I love Matt Hardy. I have no desire to really see him wrestle at this point. Dan Housen. Exactly. They announced Dan Housen and Peter Avalon. So I watched because I yeah. want to see that. Or if there's like, you know, an act, even if I know that they're going to lose to the actual AEW stars, it's like, oh, um, I don't know. I, this isn't a great example, but say it's like, again, I used to be a big fan of Chikara. And it's like, oh, here's this guy that used to wrestle there and he's on dark. And I'm like, cool, I want to see him. You know, so right. it's like that. That's pretty much the only time. But for the most part, like, yeah, I don't need to watch uh, Dante Martin and Matt Seidel against uh, Dolph Ziggler's brother and someone else from that stable. Right. Cesar Benoni, you know, so I, I will skip that. Yeah, I, I think they would do well with those guys if it turned into a quasi black and gold. Um. Just for the fact of there's a reason to watch as opposed to these guys are just in the ring getting reps in because they're on contract and that's all you want to do. You either want to be in the ring wrestling or you want to be at home collecting paychecks. You don't want that in between of showing Mm -hmm. up, but there's nothing for you. So, yeah, for me, I don't think I've ever seen dark. The idea has been thrown out there by people of like just turn dark into ring of honor. Yeah. And yeah. I think that would be a great way to get eyes on it. Like if you're because Tony Khan announced the purchase of Ring of Honor six, seven months ago, and there is still no word of like an imminent TV deal or he's anything like busy. that. He's been busy mm-hmm. lately. He's been very busy yeah, lately. He's had his hands full, hasn't he? <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I honestly like, you know, like, OK, so you have AEW Dark, you have AEW Dark Elevation, which is kind of like the same thing. Essentially, it's like turn one into ring of honor right i mean i think you know we we talked about this kind of before when we covered all out the idea of like how big this roster is and how they've gotten certain people on that roster that they never should have had you can literally go down the list of people on that roster and say how the hell did wwe let go of them and no kidding were they going to sign those those talents like you you have to like, there's no excuse for, oh, Keith Lee became available. Man, I don't know if we're going to sign that guy. Right. When everyone's talking about how WWE just dropped the ball with him. Now, you could talk about, like, the follow-up or whatever with some of these people. Obviously, someone like Malachi Black, very heavily in the news, as it's pretty much been announced that he's stepping away. Um, no image. He was actually returning. granted his release. Yes. Um, yeah. But with uh, apparently with, like, a, a no-compete clause. Like, he won't be showing up for yeah. WWE anytime soon. Right. Um, you know, people could talk about after the Cody feud and we did like how that kind of dropped off, but there's still no denying it was the right decision to sign him. Right. Obviously, with the roster that deep, it always brings up the conversation of like, get the raw Smackdown divide with Dynamite and Rampage type of thing. And then the dark matches can take place, you know, before Dynamite and actually call it dark. And then the dark matches for Rampage or Ring of Honor television. Yeah, we'll see yeah, like, before that. We're less than four years into this company being a thing in a right. constantly evolving landscape. 
Vince McMahon's out of power less than four years into this company's existence. Like these are still, you know, the growing pains of this company starting and different opportunities being presented to them as they happen. The video game. Yeah, but yeah, that's not the backstage stuff not isn't gonna affect the game at all. <laughs> well, so see, like I don't know, like because the game, they are still like they haven't announced a release date, but they're still hurtling towards it. Could you remove a CM Punk, a Kenny Omega, a Young Bucks from the game right now if you wanted to or if you had to? Yes. I don't think I don't think you do. But if I don't anything. think exactly. I don't think that you do either. Um, there is precedent for it. Jeff Hardy was supposed to be in Here Comes the Pain. Right. And they released him because of the drug issue. And he was even in the trailer for the game. And bam, he wasn't on the roster. Correct, correct me if I'm wrong, because you're the bigger nerd of the two of us. Correct. It was either Warzone or Attitude that kept Owen Hart in the Attitude. game. Yeah. yeah. They kept him in the game, but they had a tribute uh, during like the loading sequences right. for the game. So, uh, and biggest apples and oranges I'll ever drop, but there's also a catalyst there or, or precedence for keeping somebody in the game. Now, it's not he didn't get in a backstage fight and get suspended, obviously, but um, I think, well, okay, so let's look at this at a different angle here. Uh, WWE 2K22 comes out. And what's one of the first created wrestlers uh, people went for after WrestleMania? After WrestleMania? What happened at WrestleMania? Cody Rhodes. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. So, Mm -hmm. and I believe there's going to be a creative character, and I believe there's going to be a community uh, creation. I think that's been rumored as to whether or not that's happening or not. So, you know what? Even Even if they delete them they're still going to be in the game somehow you'll be able to download them and download their move sets and, and all of that stuff too so they might as well just keep them in the game as far as like the politics and all that stuff that's that has zero that'll have zero um like okay so i don't i'm not a big cm punk fan right now if he stays in this game am i going to boycott no not at all I'll still play it and I'll still kick the shit out of him when I get a chance. <laughs> I mean, so from the punk perspective, he's not going to get taken out of the game unless there's a threat of litigation. Then you could argue whether or not that has any merit. We don't know. Obviously, the contractual right. stuff. Um, then there's the issue of him being on the cover and whether or not they change the cover because he's front and center on those perspective covers that they've put out. So we don't know that. that. I could yeah. see him being taken off the cover easily. And I think if there was any uh, issue of Kenny Omega being removed from the game, he wouldn't currently be in Japan to advertise the game. Yeah, there's there's way less heat on the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega at this point. Yeah. Uh, now, uh, as you alluded to, there's still the legalities. There's still potential lawsuits and all that stuff. But um, from my vantage point, there is way less heat on the elite right now than there is on anybody else involved. Well, probably some of the people like the Christopher Daniels and some of the other people who are in the room who didn't, you know, stop it before it got stupid, uh, probably have even less heat. But yeah, you don't send Kenny Omega out to promote a video game for the company you're currently suspended from. Right. Final question from Ted. And it's uh, it's an NXT 2.0 based question. 
which is why I'm intrigued at asking it. Who do you think has more potential? Their current champion, Braun Breaker, <clears throat> Braun Steiner, uh, or their North American champion, Carmelo Hayes? Now, I have not seen either of these two wrestle once. Right. I gave up on NXT a couple of years ago. Unfortunately, you know, I kind of mentioned that before in a previous show. I just got yep. so tired of investing in watching, let's be honest, a lot of my independent favorites move up essentially to the bigger show of NXT, fucking have these unbelievable matches at these takeovers, and then go to the main roster and pretty much do nothing. Right. I got incredibly burned out on that, and it, you know, it did. It felt like a demotion as opposed to a promotion, like it should have been. Right. The concept of NXT 2.0 better suited to what the company's approach was as of last September, um, and still potentially better suited now. I mean, literally, it's Shawn Michaels at the helm of it currently, with Triple H at the helm of you know creative director, or you know. Um, yeah, I mean, essentially, you could label him a creative director at this point. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it's it's just the idea of NXT still in a pretty good spot. I just I, I don't have any interest. Um, but based off of what I know from what I've heard, like everyone who watches NXT loves Carmelo Hayes. Right. Again, I've never seen the guy though. Um, and Braun Breaker was like a year into his career, has still one of the worst names in the history of wrestling. But I they're going to give him his name back. They fucking have to, man. Like, <laughs> there's no reason for him not to. And people have obviously talked about that to death since his name was announced. But it's it's Braun Breaker fits the the mold of a WWE headliner. He does. Yeah. I, what from what I've seen, the very little I've seen of it, it reminds me quite heavily of Roman Reigns' brief time in the rebranded NXT. Like, you just know that is a guy that they are going to strap a rocket to. Yep. And, yeah, I mean, I'm sure he'll do quite well. And let's be honest, too, and we'll kind of use this to segue into our WWE talk, he'll fit in like a glove on that main roster. Yes. Because uh, it's it's a hybrid of, okay, Triple H is at the helm, there's more importance uh, of work rate, but at the same time, it's still WWE, and we've seen now over the past two weeks alone, there are still some very questionable creative decisions, in my opinion, that just kind of lead it to feeling like it's Vince McMahon's Raw just with more consistent wrestling and a couple of better promos here and there. Shout but out Kevin Owens. Shout out to Kevin. O oh my God. Kevin Owens can cut promos. Yeah, no shit. Like I'm not surprised by it. I'm happy for him because it's entertaining, but he can cut his own promos. Not when you give him, dude, I used to watch him cut promos in his car for his YouTube show. The weekend escapades <laughs> fucking go to the zoo and be like, look at this fucking Panda. Like he's the best, <laughs> but it's just that idea of, yeah, will, will Braun Breaker or Carmelo Hayes fit in very well? Yes, I will say, like, I am not really all that captivated by main roster WWE. Like, it, it's, I get that there's some more, you know, like, the wrestling's a little bit better, but the negatives to me still stand out like a sore thumb. The idea of let's have this new group not win the titles in a tournament and then the women's titles change hand two weeks later just because... 
Right. Or here's Braun Strowman, which, hey, that guy is a license to print money. No one in the history of wrestling has had a look and the kind of star presence that that guy's had. He's also a massive douche and has done nothing to quell that opinion of mine with the way he's conducted himself on social media over the years. Um, the Judgment Day stuff, which I'm going to let you go towards yeah. that, but makes no sense whatsoever in terms of yet again, the someone from the winning side against this loser group switches after beating them. Like it's just right. there. It's just, there's still quite a few McMahonisms, uh, too many McMahonisms for my liking with that product. So I'm, I'm kind of glad that you went there mainly because what I'm about to say might sound spicy, but it is my view. It is not my opinion of a certain type of person, but it is my view of how they've been characterized in WWE for quite some time. Carmelo is basically the, the gangster. He's the rapper. He's the, you know, he's a hell of an athlete. He's an absolute stud in the ring. He is entertaining. How many... Okay, so our truth is I would put Carmelo as our truth 20 years ago. Because our truth is like 50 and still going, is which is too. amazing. And he looks just, he looks the same just as, like he did then, too. It's amazing. Yeah. A man doesn't uh, age. Our truth had an amazing um, main event feud with John Cena. A while back. Uh, right around the same time as he kind of introduced little Jimmy, which kind of, you know, he wasn't getting the respect, even that though was he the was same thing. Yeah. yeah. Same time. Um, and then that kind of turned him into this angrier version of this lovable character. And he had an amazing main event run. How many titles did he win? Zero. <laughs> Now, right. I, I'm not talking about uh, U.S. or or intercontinental. Um, trying to think if there's any uh, swerve, swerve, kind of the same style. Never really got a sniff. Like these guys are sellable. These guys are amazing athletes, but I feel like there's still a stigma that really only uh, Booker T and Mark Henry have been able to break because for whatever reason, maybe to cash in on the WCW and let's be honest, Mark Henry hall of pain uh, was an amazing run. Doesn't matter who had that character. If you had that intensity and that anger and giving Mark Henry that, um, that reign uh, was absolutely phenomenal. I just, I don't see uh, African-American wrestlers being pushed the way a Caucasian wrestler would be pushed. So, right there. I agree with you. Braun Breaker's got the look that they want. I think he's got the charisma. I think he still needs a little bit of polish to become the guy in WWE, but every step along the way, he's attacked every challenge and he's he's been able to do amazing stuff with it. 
But I think if Carmelo makes it to the main roster, he is topping out at Intercontinental and US. And not because I don't think that he's a main event wrestler. It's because what I've seen in my history of watching WWE, they are few and far between who actually reach the top prize. We'll give the title to Kofi Kingston, but when it's time to put the belt on a real star like Brock Lesnar, he'll lose it to him in 12 seconds. Thank you for bringing up Kofi. I I do apologize for missing him too, but you're 100% right. Like The executives at Fox spoke louder than the fans that night. And what... Give us give us a 10 to 15 minute match. At least make it look like Kofi had a chance. Instead, he runs into him and it's game over and the pin in 15 seconds. Like that was that was bullshit at, at best. So I'll say this really quickly then. Um, first of all, thank you for the mailbag questions, everyone. Again, go to the Twitter. We always put something up there. There was uh, one the more NXT- in the DMs. There's one more in the DMs. Don't forget. The NXT Twitter account just posted a GIF saying loading that shows the NXT 2.0 logo transitioning back to a white, black, and gold color scheme of an NXT logo. Thank you. So there may indeed, and I just sent that to you on Twitter so you can get a look at it. uh, Nifty looking logo. Um, You know, looks like they're kind of drifting back in a more what Triple H, Shawn Michaels would want from an NXT, which means really fun. <laughs> it really I mean, shouldn't again, have never, they never should have put 2.0 on it. It, it basically admitted that they made a mistake rather than well, just keep it NXT and keep it moving and keep it because everything, everything changes, everything, you know, um, evolves. And it was just the next evolution of NXT. Putting 2.0 in there was one of the dumbest things they've ever done. It did perfectly sum up, though, what a Vince McMahon-driven NXT would would need to be. So super character-heavy, and in theory, everyone transitions to the roster a little bit more smoothly rather than NXT being indie darlings and going into Vince McMahon's world. But now that indie indie darling NXT where you're funneling the talent to a Triple H-led main roster makes a hell of a lot more sense. Yeah, but I mean, look at... We've referenced the Attitude Era. We've referenced... um, Sorry about that. (laughs) We've referenced uh, um, the Attitude Era. We've referenced uh, the Ruthless Aggression Era. You know, it was never WWE 3.0. It was never WWF 7.0. Like, it, it, it still... Now... Maybe the whole WWF versus WWE you could make an argument for, but that was a legality. That wasn't anything. If there wasn't pandas <laughs> anywhere, um, they'd still be running with WWF. So to add 2.0 to it was just like it was just completely unnecessary. So I'm glad they're keeping the logo, but I'm also glad that they're going back to the back black and gold. Now, whether we see something completely different in the ring or not, I don't care. Like, to me, that was one of the biggest gaffes that they've made uh, in NXT's history was adding 2.0 to it and then changing the product. But we'll see what happens with that. But there, Tugs, there is there is one more question and we cannot forget our good friend Coco Sports. Mm. I did send you this one. I did ask him in his uh, stream. We'll plug we'll plug a good wrestling fan when they come around. Um, 
does the backstage antics that we've seen over the past little bit, does that hurt or does it help uh, the product? Now, he didn't say AEW. He didn't say WWE. Do you think the backstage drama hurts or helps the product? Well, it does kind of serve as a great segue into talking about AEW on this show. Um, (laughs) It's tough because in a general sense, you want to say it hurts. At the same time, it's, it's just such a different wrestling landscape because of how intertwined social media is to everything now. Right. So, God, that's that's a really good question. I'll, I'll I mean, it tack does, on it to does. that. Go ahead. I'll tack, I'll tack on to that because when we were growing up, different eras, but you never knew who fought who behind the scenes. Uh, even the like the uh, the dirt sheets at the time, there wasn't really any unless you had like the the indie subscription or whatever. So. If anything happened, you didn't know about it. You actually thought that whatever was going in in the ring was the actual beef. Um, I think where that changed for me was Brett and uh, and HBK. Uh, yeah, that kind of changed the whole landscape of, oh, they could actually really hate each other, but still put on phenomenal matches, which is awesome. But I agree with you that it hurts because it takes top stars out as we've seen over the past week uh i'd love to see another kenny omega match but we're not going to get that i'd love to see another young bucks match we're not going to get that anytime soon so it hurts there but now the anticipation to see these guys wrestle again is growing and the more they keep them off tv the more that grows so Hmm. the inevitable return it should be huge so i agree with you that it's not a general statement of does it hurt or help yeah it helps like there's different facets to it and different time frames to it now if they don't do anything with this regardless whether or not that other guy is with the company or not if they don't do anything with this then it absolutely hurts because Mm -hmm. these guys come back and that what is it all for um edge matt hardy great uh, return for Matt Hardy who out of the two was the one who got suspended when the whole Lita cheating scenario popped up right? and you knew he was suspended but they never released anything saying he wasn't and then all of a sudden he shows up on Raw at where Edge is backstage and jumps Edge and you're like holy crap did he sneak in? I actually and think well, they did they outright fired Matt Hardy I believe so yeah time. Yeah, yeah it wasn't they, a suspension. They, it was a fire. Yeah, but they wasn't, fired okay. like, On the WWE website, just like, yeah, Matt Hardy's fired. And then you're right. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, one raw, unless you're reading the dirt sheets, it was, oh, here's, was that Matt Hardy that just jumped him? What the fuck was that? But was he fired? Oh, yeah. Like, he was, uh, he was legitimately fired, I, I believe, from my recollection. Right. But from our vantage point, he was fired. And that's, oh, I always have a grain of salt with all this stuff. Because if if he wasn't, but he was, quotation fingers, brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. If he was fired, and they just didn't release the fact that he can't, they brought him back, 
also brilliant. Like that whole storyline, um, the Edge, Matt Hardy, uh, Matt Hardy's return, the way they played that was fantastic. So that definitely helped when there was backstage stuff. Um, finding out Brett and, uh, and Shawn Michaels had their issues absolutely helped the feud. Um, I'm trying to think they're like Goldberg Riddle. It hasn't really helped or hurt because they, it's not really an ongoing thing. So, but in the case of what we've seen over the past week, yeah, I agree with you. I would say right now it's hurting because we're not seeing those guys who we would want to see wrestle uh, on screen. What they do with it and the buildup is, is definitely helping. But what they do with it afterwards will it's almost like a draft pick in any sport, right? You can you can sit here and say, yeah, he's going to be a stud or ooh, that was a rough pick. But it, we have to look at this down the road when all the dust settles. So I, I can't answer that question other than the way that I have, I guess. So case by case basis, basically, yeah. like for yeah, like every, every minute, my answer will change. <laughs> for every Matt Hardy and Edge, there's Eric Bischoff on Nitro bringing up the fact that Sid once tried to stab Arn Anderson, I believe it was, with a pair of scissors over in Europe. Right. And then the reference got no reaction, so he said it again. And it got no reaction again. Right. Like for every bit of like real life drama blending over on screen, there are examples of it working and probably more examples of it not. Uh like you said, it is all kind of how it translates to anything on screen, which has led to this culture of wrestling fandom of everything must be a work. And even if it wasn't a work, it turned into a work like the MJF stuff. So, you know, I. Well, the I MJF, almost... MJF is a perfect example. Like there was heat. But the way that they handled that heat. Ended up being a win. Like, there was drama the way they handled it. Now, whether or not the time off was planned or not, or uh, the promo, I always say if they're giving you TV time, it's a work. It's not It's not a shoot. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I just, I think that you can always look back and have those questions. And unfortunately for MJF, all of this is happening. We really should be talking more about MJF returning and his character uh, this past week. Uh, the two sides of MJF were just phenomenal, regardless what he said or what he did. He did it perfectly. So what they do with the drama backstage, I think directly answers the question. If they just let him walk, then it hurt because we didn't get two years of MJF. But because we have him now, I'm more excited to see what he's going to do, not only in an AEW ring, but in a in a year and a half when his contract's up. I mean, the MJF example is probably a more positive example, and it's being overshadowed by one of the more negative examples you can get of this type of instance, which is absolutely pretty ironic. So it does kind of bring us to talking about this past week's Dynamite and how everything was handled. First off, how did you feel about the announcement at the start of the show without any real explanation? And um, I I had mentioned this before on on Twitter. So, again, the announcement being 
that the AEW World Championship and the AEW Trios Championships have been vacated. Uh, shout out to last week's podcast. If you haven't listened to it, make sure you listen to episode two because we kind of go into this before. Like yeah. how it should have been handled heading into the show. Uh, now the question is, it was handled. Um, A, Tony Khan should not be on camera personality. Agreed. B, I, my opinion of this was absolutely um, tainted is not the right word, but it's the one I'm going to go with uh, by your attitude about it. Because I could see there being a big segment of people who had no idea what was going on. And I'll, I'll leave that one for you. Um, yeah. So to, to say I, that uh, then. Yeah, yeah. Go, go ahead. ahead. All right. So to say that then it was again, my fiance just started watching wrestling a year ago. Um, she knew that I liked wrestling, didn't have any interest in it whatsoever. And it was when punk came back that I'm like, I need to watch this on TV tonight. She's like, sure, whatever. I'll sit here and read or whatever. And she kind of saw like how fans in the building were reacting. I guess how I was reacting. Cause even I'm like, I can't believe this shit. Like it's that moment, regardless of what happened, stands out as one of the more surreal moments in the history of professional wrestling. I would say, fair. I think that's fair. Um, so she, you know, casual watcher of AEW doesn't pay attention to anything online. Went to an episode of dynamite with me at the end of July this year. Had fun, but that's it. And she was very confused. I made sure intentionally after Sunday night to not say anything to see if she to see if she somehow heard. She didn't. She didn't hear a damn thing. So to say she was confused was an understatement. Which leads me to say that there are three reactions that people like her could have had for that show. Right. One, I'm confused, but whatever. Two, I'm confused. I need, uh, thank God I have someone to tell me about this. Or three, I'm confused. I'm turning the channel. This is dumb. This doesn't make any sense. Right. I'm not saying there was like this perfect way for them to handle this because of the pending litigation and everything that could be out there and how safe they're trying to play this. I said to you immediately, like, oh my God, you know, I think a lot of people noticed, obviously, like, Punk and the Elite were removed from the intro. They were never mentioned by name. You know, you could tell they were playing it super, super safe and trying to be as... For lack of a better term... They're playing it safe. I mean, a safe is, like, sanitized in a way. Right. Yep. Like, not trying to show any, like, favoritism towards one side or the other. I don't envy having to try to come up with the wording of that right. statement, but I still think they missed the mark a little bit by presuming that most of their audience will get it. Right. Because I don't yeah. know if that's the case. Yeah. And I'll, I'll even add on to that too, which was kind of my continuing thought was I thought making the trios match that was already booked uh, that was actually booked at all out making that match the championship match I thought was very knee jerk 
I'm glad that we have a champion. Don't get me wrong. And a, a very deserving trio because they've basically been a trio for a year. So yeah. it wasn't like they just threw three guys together and said, here, here's the belt. Uh, and I mean, even on the other side, the best friends, again, would have been a great trio to have as your champions. But I just thought like, okay, we've made this decision today. And now this match, which we already were going to have is for the championship rather than like a, I love the idea of a tournament. I'll get into my thoughts about the tournament, which right. I'm a cranky old man today, so you can imagine how I feel about it. But I, I agree I think with that's you that, the issue is yeah. they just didn't want to do another tournament when they're already having to do another tournament that they didn't envision having to do. I don't think it would have been that big of a deal. In fact, I think that would have actually made um, more must-see TV than what they tried to do and failed at trying to create must-see TV uh, in that moment. Like, yeah, sorry to whoever else had a match on that show, but this is unprecedented. So this is what we're doing for the next couple. Like, I, I just... I really do feel like they tried to make must-see TV and the entire show was decent. It was actually one of their better shows that they've done in quite some time. Mm -hmm. But it just kind of like they were trying to make it be like this spectacle and that's where it kind of fell flat for me. But as you said, I, I don't know how else they could have really added to it that would have made it less safe or more safe or uh, created less drama or added to the litigation. So in agreement, the announcement left a bit to be desired, but also, uh, well, what the hell are you supposed to do? Right. The trios, I can understand your side of it. For me, I'm just okay with it because it quickly answers the question of what they were going to do there. Right. And then there's the world championship which they made pretty clear right off the top. You know, they set the stage with MJF that, yes, he'll be in the title picture, but he's not going to be in the tournament, which I thought was great. Um, you know, I think they did kind of tease the role that, I mean, obviously they turned it up to 11, but in a sense, yeah, he would have been in more of a 50-50 with Punk as opposed to what their feud was earlier this year when it was clear, like, MJF is this gigantic scumbag. Although they, they right. flirted with the idea of Punk not being the best guy in that situation either. And then uh, MJF, you know, turned on him and had the the shirt, you know, the white shirt that had the picture of him and Punk from when he was a kid and just all bloodied up and everything. And that segment is one of the, I think, the go-to, the go-home of the go-home before. Uh, the the, the mention before. of the, his, his callback to the, uh, the greatest thing the devil ever did, I think, yeah. was the go-home. Yeah. So, you know, they set stuff up well with MJF. And the the primary setup, like the I'd say the main focus of last Wednesday's show, of course, there was some other stuff mixed in there. And you had Daniel Garcia uh, winning the ROH Pure title in his hometown, which was which was good. But good the tournament, the tournament of champions that was out, it was announced that that night it would be Hangman Page and Brian Danielson. Chris Jericho may have spoiled the result in the promo. Um <laughs> But Brian Danielson wins that match, finally beats or gets the win back over Hangman. Yep. Was a weird spot to put Hangman in because 
there did seem to be a slightly mixed reaction, and you can debate how much of that was people siding with Punk versus he's in the ring with Brian Danielson. It was a weird dynamic, I think, at the very least. People can agree on that. Um, and then on Rampage, Sammy Guevara beat Darby Allen. So tomorrow night, it's going to be Jericho and Danielson again, where I imagine Danielson gets his win back. And then it will be Sammy Guevara and John Moxley. It looks certainly like we're leading towards Brian Danielson and John Moxley on September 21st at Arthur Ashe Stadium for the AEW World Title, which is a gigantic match. Absolutely. I so where I'm a cranky old man with this is basically there's four guys. Well, technically six because Jericho and Mox got the bye. But you've got four guys that faced off last week. And as far as I'm concerned, two were deserving of the spot. And they faced off against each other. And I will use my favorite buzzword. Uh, hangman losing was a receipt. I think that was absolutely a way of saying you go out there, you put over Daniel Bryan. You weren't in the room, but you're slightly responsible for this. You you have to take the L here. I I, I believe that that is something that happened. I, I love Darby Allen. I there are aspects of Sammy Guevara that I absolutely love, and I think he's one of their top heels. I don't buy them as heavyweight champions, even if they made it through this. Uh, I think they're trying to recreate Chris Jericho with the unified titles. Like nobody had him winning against the rock, uh, former champions, rock uh, stone cold uh, and Kurt angle in that tournament uh, to unify the titles. But I, I just don't see those guys as being the guys that they should have had in this position. Nor do I see them as the guys that should have faced off against each other to move on. Mm. Um, like if Sammy Guevara beats Mox, well, then he's taken on, presumably, either Chris, well, Chris Jericho or, or Brian Danielson. Like, if... Uh, I, I believe that we're getting Jericho Danielson first, so... Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think we'll feel the same way about Sammy Guevara by the time his match comes, but if his match was first and he ends up beating Mox, which, however, then it's kind of a wild card. Right. I, I agree with you that it should be Danielson Mox at Grand Slam. I just, I'm, I'm trying to think, like, who else would you put in that spot? I would almost even put Wardlow. You still have him as the title, but then you kind of make you one of your champions look weak. Yeah. Um, same with uh, Claudio. I I wish I could think of like two other wrestlers who deserve that spot. If it was Hero. a bigger tournament, like a like a King of the Ring, where there's you know four on each side, and then you know or four brackets on each side, mm -hmm. and then two brackets, and then the champion. I could see adding those two in somewhere, but I don't. There was just something about hearing that they were involved. Um, I just I I don't see them as main event guys or or they can main event a show, but I don't think they're guys that uh, you can put the title on just yet. I do think in a general sense, they handled it about as well as they could have. 
I'm intrigued to know what would have been done because they were going to be in this situation regardless. It's come out that CM Punk did, in fact, have uh, surgery on a torn tricep. Like, he's he would have been out for eight months anyway. So we were going to end up with this situation of a vacated title no matter what, just not under the... Uh, not, with, with some extra spice yes. added to the circumstances. Right. But, yeah, I, I don't hate necessarily how how they elected to handle this and what it's leading to, because I do think a John Moxley, Brian Danielson match is the best thing that you could look to do with. I would imagine like if you're talking like, obviously like Sammy Guevara is not winning the AW world title right now. There's no way it's either Danielson, Jericho Moxley. One of the three has not won their title yet. It's going to be Danielson. Um, That vacation he was apparently getting ready for. Right. And add, uh, the backseat drama to uh, Sammy Guevara as well. You don't suspend one and reward the other. Mm. Completely different backstage situations. This like this one's already been handled or taken care of or is old enough that we can forget about it. But yeah. you know, oh well. Um, Eddie Kingston would have fit in perfectly in this tournament. Yeah, he Miro. Two names that definitely come to mind. It's like, oh, I'm kind of surprised they weren't in it. Right. Or... But I guess not wanting to hand losses to certain people. You want to talk about whether backstage drama uh, hurts or helps? Why not have Eddie versus Sammy Guevara in the first round? Yeah. I mean, it certainly would have, I think, brought more interest to a Rampage match than Darby Allen, Sammy 4, for example. Yeah. There really wasn't anything there other than they're the two. I mean, they talk about the pillars and those two names always come up. But I think I think Eddie Kingston in this tournament, whether he lost in the first round or not, I think Eddie Kingston in this tournament would have been fantastic because I I think in the next year or two, he will have a heavyweight run as long as he doesn't keep pie facing people backstage. Can also, you know. View view the side of like, hey, let's not hand somebody a loss if they don't necessarily need it. Like I said, I I am okay with the the story that is being presented and how they are moving forward at this stage after being put. Yeah, you, know, you can't even say being put. I mean, there is obviously like you can get into the debate of where certain faults lie. Uh, but ending up in the sort of circumstances that they have, I do think they have set themselves up relatively well coming out of this. But it still feels like we have had. And, you know, it's led to that kind of, oh, my God, the sky's falling approach. Like some people being like, this is the end for AEW. Like, oh, no. doomers like that are hilarious. But, you know, it certainly has had the feeling of like a consistently rocky road. For this promotion, since CM Punk won the title at Double or Nothing, yeah, it's it's an unenviable situation to be put in to try and fix this mess. Mm. Um, the best way they could have fixed the mess, as we talked about in the previous podcast, was not to get into it in the first place. Yeah, um, but I will say, you know, as much as we're playing armst- armchair quarterback here, um, did they do a terrible job? No, I just think they didn't necessarily capitalize. They could have moved forward and capitalized a little bit more with it 
but I can't necessarily say that they completely messed this one up either. With that, I think we bring it to a close to actually try to get somewhat close <laughs> to our time limit. No overtimes this week. Bret Hart's leaving the ring. He's not coming back. Sean doesn't me, win the title at WrestleMania you, uh, 12. Yeah. Are you going to give me time to uh, to add a uh, Bobby Heenan quote to the end of this podcast? This, Is- time, this time, I will, yes. As we bring this show to a close, a reminder, you can find me everywhere. YouTube, Twitch, Twitter, at Tugi24, T-O-U-G-I-E-24. You can find Crash Andrews on Twitter, at Crash underscore Andrews on Twitch at Crash Andrews, all one word. And we'll be back next week. We'll be back next week to talk all about the world of wrestling yet again. Again, make sure to get those mailbag questions in there. And, uh, you know, who knows? Maybe we'll talk about some old wrestling once upon a time if the news is a little bit more slow and calmed down for the first time in in the short history of this show. But as we bring it to a close, Crash Andrews, some words of wisdom, if you would. From the absolute legend that is Bobby the Brain Heenan. I don't look at myself as a hero or a smart person. I have a seventh grade education, but I've had a lot of fun. <laughs>